0: This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV.
1: Acorn TV, and Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road.
0: I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses.
0: A loophole. Um, (laughs) I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries.
1: Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand, obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is true. true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center.
0: And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick.
1: And it's Leah.
0: So we're doing another live show.
1: Where You Raised by Wolves Live!
0: And this time we're going to be on the
1: West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies! So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30.
0: So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live, and get some tickets. Join us! Do you take too much food at the buffet? Do you ignore your dog at the dog park? Do you call people when you're too busy to talk? Or you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things I can make It's Nick Layton.
1: And I'm Leah Bonema,
0: And let's just get right down to it with our moose bouche.
1: Let's get in it.
0: So for today's moose bouche, I want to talk about aperitivo. Do you know what this is?
1: Isn't that what I'm going to go up top? <laughs> I'm going to go up top with a little drink.
0: So this is Italian happy hour, but calling it Italian happy hour is kind of like calling the Grand Canyon, like a hole in the ground. It vastly (laughs) understates the majesty of what this is because aperitivo is a drink that you would have between like work and dinner, but it is also a lifestyle Mm. and it is also culturally very important in Italy. And it also includes food (laughs) with the price of your drink. So it is like all of these things and it's wonderful. And it's one of the things that I have never had to the same degree outside of Italy. Like places in New York try to do aperitivo. It's not the same. We just can't have nice things here. (laughs) I think that's just what it is. We can't have nice things. And so I really do love aperitivo. It's probably the main reason I'm ever interested in going to Italy. And if you're ever in the neighborhood of Italy, you should definitely have aperitivo. So basically it is a drink and it comes with food. And the food ranges. It can be just very low key peanuts and potato chips at the bar. All the way up to full buffet with pasta and focaccia and cheese and salads and sandwiches and pizza and like the whole works.
1: I like that second option a lot. Yeah. I mean,
0: when aperitivo <laughs> gets elaborate, it's real elaborate. And the idea of aperitivo is it's meant to just to be like the nibbles you have to wet your appetite. It's not meant to be dinner. Although, truth be told, a lot of people do just have it for dinner. And the tradition started in northern Italy. Like, it probably started in Turin, and it probably started around the time vermouth was actually invented in the 1700s. And there was this guy, Antonio Benedetto Carpano, and he invented vermouth, modern-day vermouth, because he thought it would be a more suitable beverage for ladies, than the local red wines. Mm. So, oh, Tony. Mm. Oh, Tony. Tony. (laughs) (laughs) And so so the idea of having a drink that sort of wets the appetite, this sort of became increasingly popular and is now found throughout Italy. And so here are some important things to know if you're gonna do aperitivo in Italy. It's seven to nine. Maybe it'll start earlier at six, but generally speaking, it's a seven to nine thing. And not every bar and restaurant does aperitivo. So you do need to ask like, oh, do you have aperitivo or not? It's like not everywhere. And as I mentioned, the range is quite broad. And so it could just be five euros a drink, which does include access to like some nibbles, all the way up to like 25 or 30 euros. And if it is a restaurant, you are expected to leave at the end of aperitivo if you're not staying for dinner. Italian people tend to eat late. Like eight, nine o'clock for dinner. So if the thing you're having aperitivo at is a restaurant and now they need the space for the restaurant part, then like you gotta go. And in terms of what to drink, the classic drinks are gonna be things that are like on the drier side because the idea is to like not have something that's filling. So this is not like mudslides or pina coladas. (laughs) This is traditionally like Prosecco or vermouth on the rocks or Negroni. I love Chinar, that's like my go-to. And P.S., if you've never had Chinar, highly recommend it if you're into Campari. So check that out. And you do not have to drink alcohol. That's not required at all because the spirit of aperitivo is really getting together with friends and like hanging out. So the cocktail you're having is kind of incidental on some level. So you can just have a soda or a sparkling water or whatever. You do need to order a beverage though if you want the food part. You can't just like eat from the buffet if you have not ordered a beverage. The beverage part is key. But what the beverage is, totally up to you. And with the buffet, it's not really meant to be dinner. People do it, tourists and Italians, but you kinda wanna be slightly slick about it. So if it is a buffet, you will take a fresh plate every time you go up and don't load it up to make it obvious like, that this is dinner. So like, just take a reasonable amount of food that one would have if one was just nibbling and you can just then keep going back. Sometimes the aperitivo isn't a buffet, they just bring you a platter of something and be like, oh, here's our aperitivo nibbles, this is the standard thing. There are typically not substitutions. So if you do have dietary restrictions, like there's probably not gonna be any other options for you. You cannot ask for the gluten-free version of the focaccia sandwich. Like it just is what it is. And if it is a buffet, it's not gonna be labeled. Like rare is the buffet that has any labels about what anything is. So you do have to eat at your own risk if you have dietary restrictions. And then that's it. I mean, it's like the, the most wonderful thing.
1: Oh it sounds so good. I want some I want an aperitivo right now.
0: And what I think I love about aperitivo the most is that it brings everybody together. Everybody in Italy no matter who you are, where you come from, what you do for a living, everybody can enjoy aperitivo. It's just like this thing that unites Italy, which is one of the few things that I think all Italians can agree on, which is like aperitivo. Yeah, I think we could all agree on aperitivo. <laughs> And we're back. And now it's time to go deep.
1: Deep and rough.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, So mm. I already hate
1: myself for that one.
0: (laughs) So for today's question (laughs) of etiquette, I want to talk about going to the dog park. So Leah is a recent dog parent. And we have talked about some etiquette crimes involving dog ownership recently, but we've never really dug into the dog park itself. So let's talk about it.
1: Let's talk. I've been to a bunch recently. So I've been trying out different kinds of dog parks.
0: Okay. So I imagine you've seen a lot of etiquette, good and bad. So what what have you observed? What should people know when they're going to go to a dog park?
1: So when you're going to go to a dog park, you're going to keep your dog on leash until you get into the park, like in the parking lot or on the sidewalk. Your dog's supposed to be on leash until you're into the park itself. And there's usually two gates. So you go into the first gate, you close it in case there's a dog coming out. Right. And then you unleash and then you open the next gate that goes all the way in. And
0: I read that actually you want to make sure your dog is not on leash inside the park because if you keep them on leash, that actually can create anxiety because they'll actually feel trapped on the leash. And if there's a dog they want to get away from, they can't. And so that actually is like not a good thing. So once they're in the dog park, you actually should have them off leash.
1: Yeah, no leash inside, leash outside. Right, okay. You should be paying attention to your dog. Like sometimes there'll be people there- who drop their dog off and then kind of sit on the side and just get on their phones and aren't paying attention at all. And their dog is a rebel rouser. Mm. And you're like, hey, whose dog Whose dog is this knocking everybody over?
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of, I think, like going to a playground. You should keep an eye on your child.
1: Yes. <laughs> the whole time.
0: Like, don't tune out. Like, you should be mindful of what your dog is doing.
1: And if your dog doesn't number twosies, you got to pick it up. It's not like a place to just leave. But I mean, do we need to say that? Oh, yes, we do. I mean, are
0: people not picking up after their dogs in the...
1: I've I've seen people not pick up number twosies in the dog park. I'll go pick it up because all these other dogs are going to run right through it. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: super rude. Because also, I mean, is there no shame? Because you are being obviously monitored. By all the other dog owners in the space. Like, do you have no shame? I guess you feel like you're anonymous. You're like, who whose dog was that? I don't know.
1: I don't know if people aren't paying they're really not paying attention, or if they just think nobody saw it, or I don't really get the mindset behind. Or maybe they think, oh, this is like a, a dog park where people can come and drop off their dogs and there's no rules. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going on behind that. There's a yeah. so, there's always a sign on the door.
0: Oh, but even if there wasn't a sign, I feel like where is this place where you cannot not clean above your pet? Like, Where in the world is this place? I
1: don't even know where that is. But I'm just, I, you know, sometimes you're like, what are you thinking? Yeah. And you can't even begin to guess. That's why I was trying to throw out some options. Okay. And then what about like treats and toys? Most of the places I've been, you can bring in balls. Okay. But we're not bringing in food.
0: Right. It feels a little provocative to give treats to dogs that are not yours.
1: And also you're not supposed to bring in people food either.
0: Oh, because dogs might eat it.
1: I assume that's why. mm. I did recently have a lady, this is something I learned and I'll share the experience. They oh, There's always balls at dog parks that people have dropped that have been left and they're usually covered with mud um, and dogs are still into it, but I brought a fresh one and it was a slightly smaller ball because Lacey's a smaller dog and I was throwing it and this woman came up to me and said that, she worried that her bigger dogs would choke on a smaller ball Oh. and would I mind not using it? And I said, oh, absolutely no problem.
0: Okay. I mean, I think that was a polite way to handle that situation.
1: I did think it was funny that after that it ended up being her dog that was like knocking all the other dogs over. And I was like, <laughs> "Of course, did we need to worry about? But I, you know, I recognized immediately that that could be a fear. And so... You know, moving forward, I would only bring bigger balls.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good note.
1: Some dog parks or dog areas have rules about whether or not dogs are spayed.
0: Oh, sure. That seems like a key detail.
1: And they assume that you obviously, the dog has to be older than four months.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think we want to bring like newborn
1: puppies. And they obviously should have their rabies shots. Among other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we want to be mindful of the actual health of all the other dogs. So like making sure that your dog is up to date with their shots and making sure that they're not sick. Yeah. That they don't have something else
1: that day. I recently went to a park and this was such a treat. I met a friend there and (laughs) it's like a fancy dog park where you, you send in your vet records in advance. So you know that all the dogs there have all their shots. They're all spayed and neutered. And then it's like a membership place, but people can bring somebody. So we were the plus. We were the plus one. And oh,
0: so this was a Soho House of dog parks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they have quote unquote referees. Okay. So they're in the middle, like watching all the dogs. So these are like
0: paid employees of the dog park. Yes. So then, where is this place? This is in
1: Santa Monica. It does it come
0: with canapes? (laughs) What is happening? (laughs)
1: It comes with a coffee shop, so you can sit there.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And the new dogs get a little orange bow. So. Everybody knows this is a new dog. And um uh, Lacey had the time of her life.
0: I mean, a bougie dog park like this? How could you not? Oh,
1: I loved it. I was like, can we live here?
0: Is there valley parking?
1: There's Astroturf. I mean, it was fantastic.
0: Wow. Okay. I mean, it sounds like a nice resort for humans too.
1: I know. I love, it. I had a great time. <laughs>
0: okay. Put an orange bow on you. <laughs>
1: And then I think maybe it's good to recognize
0: that, like, the dog park's not for every dog. Like, not every dog is a dog park kind of dog.
1: We know, when we first got Lacey and she'd play with dogs, it it takes a while to get used to You know, they play, and they know each other's limits. You know what I mean? They like to roll around. If you have a dog that doesn't know limits, Mm. that is a really heavy biter or, like, a deep, deep growler or a step past likes to roll around with other dogs, you know— probably not appropriate to bring them to the dog park.
0: What I find interesting is that so much of this etiquette is just applies to humans going to like a park in general. (laughs) Like if you're a human uh, at a park, yeah, you probably shouldn't be littering and not (laughs) cleaning up after yourself. You probably should uh, not bother other people in the park, bite them or growl at (laughs) them. Um, You probably should be mindful of everybody's space. And not giving people things they may choke on. Like, all of these things actually uh, apply to everybody. Great point. Yeah. I mean, how universal is this?
1: And they all say, all the dog parks that I've been to say, no unattended children. Oh. So I don't know if people are dropping their kids and their dogs off and leaving, but that's a no-no. Um, what? (laughs) Yeah. Wait,
0: so we are just like, oh, here's my toddler and my (laughs) My dog dog. and I'll be back in an hour. Yeah.
1: I don't know where this is happening, (laughs) but it's been at every dog park. So it must have happened somewhere.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, is that even etiquette? No. (laughs) Uh, I think that's a different category. Now it's time for Intermezzo.
1: Intermezzo.
0: So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television.
1: And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah,
0: all sorts of genres.
1: (laughs) I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, murder. That's really my... Sweet spot.
0: And so obviously the <laughs> Broken Wood Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley.
1: Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, no, anything said in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley.
1: Also, they have a big city detective move to said small town having to work with the local police and they have a, a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit <laughs> right. jarring So up my alley.
0: So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo.
1: Intermezzo. So
0: this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month.
1: I am loving getting to pick my books of the Months.
0: So our first question is quote, our close friends don't have a hand towel rack in their guest bathroom. They just have a hand towel laying on the counter. They have a beautiful home with lots of decor and all the essential home items. Is it just me that I find this odd? I can't imagine not having a hand towel rack. My husband said we should gift them one, but that feels weird and hygienic to me. Thoughts? Why is it weird and hygienic to me?
1: Why, why the word hygienic?
0: Um, I don't think hygienic is the word I would use. I do think it's weird to gift somebody a hand towel rack, though, because basically what you're saying is you are inadequate and your home does not meet my needs. And here's something that you have to do and install, and I'm going to give you work, to make your home better for my needs. That's kind of what that says to me.
1: I definitely think you can't gift a towel rack.
0: Yeah. There's no way to do it in a nice, polite way, which does not make them feel like, oh, your home is inadequate.
1: Because they've obviously made the decision not to have a towel rack.
0: Or they haven't really thought about it. It's possible they haven't really thought that it's necessary, but they're comfortable with the situation.
1: Yeah. And I think it's their home and we leave it as such. Right. But I do get
0: the idea of like, oh, here's a wet towel that I just dried my hands on. And now I'm going to wad up this towel and put it back on the counter where it will now continue to be wet because it's not air drying.
1: I understand that. I totally get that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, how wet is this thing? And is it really going to dry that much more slowly on the counter than it would like hanging? I mean, maybe by some degree, probably not appreciably.
1: Regardless, we don't give them a- We
0: do not. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess
0: one thing you could maybe do is you could say like, oh, I dried my hands on the towel. Would you like me to leave it on the counter? Or is there a
1: place you'd like me to hang it up?
0: I guess you could ask your host what you should do now with this towel that you've used. I think there's a world we could maybe ask.
1: I think that's totally fine because if I was at like a close friend's house and I used their hand towel and it was on the sink, I'd be like, hey, I used your hand towel. I just put it back on the sink. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, I think we could live in that world. And then they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. And then that's the end of it.
1: Yeah, if that's what they do, that's what they do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have seen a lot of people who do this I feel like this is relatively unusual though. I mean, I think you're right to find this odd.
1: I mean, it could be possible that that's their guest bathroom and the towel was just out for you. Right, and
0: that there's no towel rack in the room. Yeah, I mean, there isn't, yeah.
1: Maybe they are just anti-towel racks.
0: Yes, these people don't believe in towel racks. That's their thing, that's their belief. Or maybe there's no studs in the wall. There's no studs, it's marshmallow. (laughs) And so they just can't anchor anything into it.
1: I mean, there's a myriad of reasons possibilities, we could say.
0: No, I think it just comes down to marshmallow.
1: <laughs> marshmallow walls. That's it.
0: I mean, we, we've we all been there. <laughs> so our next question is, quote, I live on the sixth floor of my building and my parking spot is on the fourth floor. For security, there's a door between the fifth and sixth floors that's locked. So I can't take the stairs and I'm forced to take the elevator. Sometimes people give me dirty looks for taking the elevator only two flights of stairs. Is this rude? Giving them the benefit of the doubt, I assume that people who live on the 18th floor who also park on the fourth floor might not know this door is locked because they probably never take the stairs. Is there something I should say to these people to let them know that I'm being forced to take the elevator against my will? I know you're not a fan of talking in elevators, but these people make me so uncomfortable.
1: I understand the urge to want to explain oneself.
0: Yeah, I don't love having dirty looks.
1: But they're being rude. They have no idea. What if you couldn't go upstairs?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people take elevators. Sure. And not all of these reasons are visible.
1: And it's none of their business. Also that. Yes. So I don't think we explain anything to them.
0: So we just push the button and let them have death stares at the back of your neck. And that's the end of it. Is that that the advice?
1: That's what I think. Is I think that these people are, it's rude of them to stare Because there's many reasons why people need to take the elevator.
0: And you know it's not just staring. There's probably a nice sigh that goes with it sometimes.
1: I think you should look back at them and lock direct eye contact in a way that says, do you want to say something to me?
0: (laughs) As you're pushing the button.
1: As you're pushing the button. And then if they stare harder before you get out, you press every single button between (laughs) them and the 18th floor. There you
0: go. Yeah. I mean, it is true. I don't love talking in elevators. Uh, That is a true thing about myself. And so, yeah, I don't think you need to have any conversation. But if you did want to say something, because it just would make maybe the situation feel more comfortable, I think you could say, as you're pushing the button, like, I know, the door is locked on five, have to take the elevator. Maybe you could do that.
1: I feel like if it would make you feel comfortable, then throw that out when you're pressing the button.
0: But you don't have to. And I think it's actually probably good to be able to accept death stares from people and not feel affected by it when they're not justified.
1: I've really been practicing working on that because it's them being rude. You don't have to explain yourself.
0: Right, yeah. And that's a hard place to get to, but it's a good place to get to. Being comfortable with other people staring at you mean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm working on it really hard. I am I'm wor- I have a relationship like that in this building right now. And I've really been working on being like, okay, this is where we're at. I'm not going to work on this anymore.
0: Oh, with one of your neighbors? It's yeah. just like, you're in a good place where like, he's not going to like me.
1: And I'm not going to work on it anymore. I mean, what a breakthrough. Huge breakthrough. So I think our elevator letter writer can do it too, because you owe them nothing.
0: You do owe them zero.
1: And they're being rude.
0: Yeah. And also- By doing it this way, you're not talking in elevators, (laughs) thus achieving what I'm looking for, which is a silent ride. (laughs) So our next question is, quote, I have a friend that calls while she's running errands, cooking dinner, or replying to work email, and it's obvious that her attention is diverted. She often pauses to talk to someone else or stops talking while she focuses on driving or her email. I've tried to drop hints like, oh, it sounds like you're busy. I'll let you go. But she is the one that initiates the calls. I know she's a busy mom with kids and has a full-time job, but I don't understand why someone would call a person if they weren't able to have a real conversation. I'm at the point where I only pick up one out of every five calls. I know I should just have a direct conversation explaining how I don't feel like she's valuing my time. Any ideas on the wording?
1: I was excited to hear your ideas on the wording for this because I've often said to people when they call and they're... Clearly in the middle of tons of things, I always say, oh, it sounds like you're super busy. Let me call you back later when we can focus. And then usually the person goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, if you've already done that one. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. Then you have to do the next step. Which is what? I think you have to say, I have trouble having a conversation when, you know, you're clearly in the middle of something else. So I'd love it if we could talk. I know you're super busy, but let's like carve out a time when we're both not doing something else that we can have like just friend time.
0: Yeah. I think that's the solution is to offer to schedule a time that you both will be free for a catch up. Uh, And maybe that's even a standing thing, you know, like, oh, let's just have a standing Sunday at three o'clock call or whatever it is. But I have friends like this who I only hear from while like they're in the car or like they're doing cooking dinner or they're doing something else. And I think a lot of people is like, oh, I have a moment to catch up with Nick. So I'm going to call now while I'm doing this other thing. So I think that's the spirit with which this is being done. I don't think this person who calls is trying to be rude.
1: Oh, I don't think so at all.
0: I think they're actually trying to catch up. And and this is just like the time I have. And I'm just multitasking, not doing a great job with it. But like I'm, I'm trying to connect with you. I'm just happy to be doing other things.
1: Oh, I definitely think that's what this is. And I definitely have a lot of friends that call me mid because that's when they have time. Right. But I I also like when they're driving, it doesn't bother me when people do that because I know they're squeezing me in. But if it bothers our letter writer, then I think that's what they could say.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, we can just let it just go to voicemail and you can listen to the voicemail and see how busy they sound. So like if you hear, traffic in the background or you hear email being typed or something while they're leaving a voicemail, you'd be like, Oh, they're probably busy right now. So maybe I won't call them back right away.
1: I think a question for our letter writer is if our friend doesn't have sort of phone talk time at this point in her life. Like she's got the kid, she's got the job, she's running around. Would we want to do no talk time? If that meant that-
0: Oh, that's a good question.
1: Because it's possible that this is the best she has right now.
0: Right. Do we want perfect to be the enemy of good?
1: Um, And I do understand that it's- you're also busy. Right. And so you feel like your time is not being valued, but th- this may be the, the most she can do right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important consideration. Like, is this time as good as it is right now? And if you want to stay connected, like, this is just what it is. This is just the caliber of the communication we're going to have. We're not going to be able to have the focus, forty five five minute, no distraction, catch up conversation. Like, that just is not going to exist. And so is it all or nothing for you? Or can you accept something less?
1: And then you could also be like, you know what? I, would, I just want to hear a voice. I want to do a quick catch up. I know she's always busy and I personally, it bothers me. So I'm just going to hop in for like a five minute and then be like, I got to go.
0: And I know when I have friends who call me and they're clearly doing something else, I'll also multitask. Like I'll I'll keep checking email. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Like if you're not going to give me your full attention, like I, I can also not give you my full attention. I got plenty of other things to do around the house. So that's also a strategy. We can all be distracted. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, they're calling. This is a great time for me to do my dishes.
0: Right. So I think you have a lot of good options. But if you wanted to have a plight a conversation, that's always a good etiquette option.
1: An option that's not even is instead of having conversations, you just leave each other voice audio texts, which is Nick knows I love these.
0: Oh, that's a fun idea. Yeah. So we're communicating (laughs) back and forth, but just not in real time.
1: That's not a bad idea. And it's not texting so you can hear each other's voices. Right. And it's when people have time. Oh, that's a nice option. Oh, I like that. Okay, well, letter
0: writer, we've given you lots of options. So let us know how it goes.
1: Yeah, keep us posted. Maybe leave us a voice text.
0: Ooh, love that. And you can leave us a voice text or a regular text. Two six seven call RBW or visit our website, where you raised by wolves.com, we can send us an email. So it's time for an intermezzo.
1: Intermezzo.
0: So just a quick reminder that you can send in your questions to us.
1: And you can send in your vents and repents.
0: Oh yes, please do. And you can send them to us through our website where you're raised by wolves.com, and we also take DMs and text messages and voice memos.
1: And P.S. cordials of Kindness.
0: So please send those in.
1: We're ever so grateful.
0: And we're back. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah,
1: would you like to vent or repent? Uh, I'm going to repent this week.
0: Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) So, my... Fiance and I uh, have shows that we only watch together. Okay. And when one of us is on the road, we wait to watch them until the other one comes home. Mm -hmm. And I... I see where this is going. Yes. (laughs) I recently made the executive decision that I was going to finish out an episode... Prior to his return.
0: So you knew you were doing a bad thing.
1: And I did it anyway.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean- that's premeditated. <laughs>
1: it's premeditated. It's like an impulse control problem. Okay.
0: I mean, it doesn't make it right. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: I know. That's why I'm repenting. So
0: what do we do about it now? Have we uh, apologized? Have we made things right? Have we sworn it'll never happen again? What's the aftermath?
1: I'm not going to swear it'll never happen again. This isn't the first time I've done it. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to give you a pass then.
1: <laughs> I am going to apologize. Okay. It has, I haven't apologized yet because I'm telling you guys first.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I think you, you know what you need to do next. I'm going
1: to apologize and obviously I'll watch it again. I'm going to say, hey, I'll wa- I'm happy to watch it again and I'm going to react as if I've never seen it.
0: Oh, that's not
1: sincere. I know, but I'm going to tell him. I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm not going to give anything away. I'm not going to. No. So I'm going to just be like, oh, you know, that's what I mean. I'm obviously going to tell him I did it. I'm not going to just watch it and pretend I didn't.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you do have to fess up.
1: I'm going to fess up and then I'm going to apologize.
0: Okay, that's the best you can do.
1: That's the best I can do. I did it, it's over.
0: Ideally, you'd never let it happen again, but I'm not gonna get that assurance from you, I see.
1: I'm gonna actively try not to let it happen again.
0: I mean, do or do not, there is no try.
1: Yes, thank you for making a Star Wars <laughs> reference. I was just about to say, in the same genre, the only other time I have did this was with Battlestar Galactica, and- Oh,
0: okay. Oh, those last seasons, though, weren't very good, so- <laughs> It doesn't really matter. I'll give you a pass on that. So for me, I would like to vent. And so I, two sort of related vents, I think. Both are like light, but uh, interconnected somehow. So the first is I was at a coffee shop with my laptop and I was working away. And the person at the next table was also on their laptop. And for whatever reason, they decided to basically dictate out loud as they were typing. No. Everything everything. It was all spoken, every email, just everything. And that's real distracting. Like that's really distracting to basically verbalize everything you're typing as you're going along. So I did have to cut it short. I was like, I can't stay here. And then relatedly at the gym, there's this trainer who is often there with clients when I'm there. And he counts so loud for his clients, one to 10, you know, he's counting the reps And it's aggressive, and I'm pretty sure his clients know how to count to 10. And it doesn't feel like it's adding anything. It's not, like, motivating somehow, like, oh, one more rep, you could do it. It's, like, not that. It's literally just, like, one, two, three. But it's so loud. I mean, 20 feet away, it's like he's right up to you. And that's also very distracting. So I feel like the theme for both of these is, like, be mindful of people around you and how your behavior might affect them and whether or not the volume of your voice or whether or not you should be saying anything uh, is necessary. Like, is that uh, required? And if it's not, well, then don't.
1: (laughs) I love, well, then don't. That's, uh, put that on a pillow. Yeah. Then don't. Then don't. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) Let's not yeah (laughs) let us not let us not do that yeah
0: let's maybe not
1: ear space yeah it was just like uh, just my
0: psychic space is just constantly being invaded and in New <laughs> york city it's hard enough to like block it all out it really and is so when you have those brief moments of like solitude which we all crave uh and it's just sort of imploded unnecessarily it's just particularly maddening
1: did you give the person dictating a nick look um I mean, I
0: probably did because those are very involuntary. (laughs) So hard to say what kind of look I had as I closed my laptop and left.
1: Or you start dictating under your computer and then it's like a dictation off.
0: Oh, yeah, that's good. Like, hey, Leah, I'm at a coffee shop and the person next to me keeps speaking out loud as they are texting. Isn't that terrible? We should talk about this on our show. Smiley face emoji. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I'll definitely try that next time. This is definitely going to happen again, somehow, somewhere. So now I'm prepared.
1: I love how I have all these ideas of things I would absolutely never do. I'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to put on my earphones.
0: Well, you know, the fantasy is fun. It is. So, Leah. What have we learned?
1: I learned that with an aperitivo, I'm going to get a little nibbles, and the nibbles could range from a little nibble all the way up to a buffet. And it's
0: wonderful. And I learned that you're going to pick up after anybody and everybody.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I uh, If something happens in that dog park, I'm there. I'm going to pick it up.
0: I mean, is it just limited to dog parks? Who can say?
1: Who can say?
0: Well, thank you, Leah.
1: Thank you, Nick.
0: And thanks to you out there for listening. I'd send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery if I could. He would. So for your homework this week, I want you to follow us on Instagram. It's a party over there. We got cute videos, cute quotes. My friend
1: Val does amazing illustrations for us. These illustrations are so phenomenal. I love them.
0: So you want to see them. So check that out. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go.
1: So a few years ago, I was at a festival and I met the owners of this theater, Theater 99 in Charleston at... And Brandy and Greg, and they had said if I was ever going to do a long form piece, I could contact them and I could run it at their theater. And I'm working on an hour and I I emailed them out of the blue. It's been years. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm working on this thing. May I come? And they were like, Leah, get on over here. And honestly, I'm so excited. I'm so delighted. And I'm so grateful for their uh, support of the arts.
0: That's amazing. And for me, we got a lovely note from one of our Patreon members, which is, quote, Thanks to both of you for what you are doing. Since I've started listening to the podcast, I found myself using things I learned from you on a daily basis. From Leah, I find myself saying things like, it was an absolute joy to have you join my class. From Nick, I find myself speaking with much more confidence and poise. I'll never have Nick's mastery of the English language and quick wit, but we can all have goals. So thank you both. Your podcast is amazing, and I'm so glad to have found it.
1: That is so sweet and wonderful.
0: I mean, I'll take those compliments. So thank you. That's very nice. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV.
1: Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized, as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road.
0: I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses.
0: A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries.
1: Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously, from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right and center.
0: And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV.
1: Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road.
0: I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a
0: loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries.
1: Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand, obviously, from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right and center.
0: And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.